Galatians 5, starting from, chapter, from verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circum circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's give her a hand. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. That was great. So here we are, Galatians 5. Very, uh, part, part of it is very familiar. I'm sure most of you, uh, if you've kind of read, familiar with the Bible, have read some of these verses before. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a bit of a climax about what we've been talking about uh, Prior to this week, we've been talking about how Paul has been writing this letter to the, the people of Galatia, and he's, he's trying to express how uh, this way that they've been living, this way that, that has been so centered on how the law works, is not the way that Jesus has called us to live. It's not the way that he has got for us. And so this, this passage here is almost like a climax a climax of what is going on. Paul is urging these people, go, come on, you, you can't live in this way. You're living a different gospel to what I've taught you. And so this is, this is Paul's gone, this is the climax, the real guts of what Paul wants to address, and that is the, the, the big freedom, that we are called to live in freedom. And this, this thing, this concept of freedom that uh, we're going to e explore tonight, what freedom looks like and how freedom works in our culture and what that means for us. And so there is this bi big thing with freedom that is in our culture today around us and uh, something that can be misunderstood for what we're trying to explore here in biblical freedom. And um, yeah, it's going to be good. Everyone with me? Nice. So um, when I was younger, I uh, had a dream to, when I was like, you know, you, you're a teenager, you're thinking about what am I going to do with my life? And there was two things that I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to get into coding. Yes, I wanted to get into coding because I, for some reason, just thought it was cool. Uh, and, uh, and I wanted to do youth ministry. I just wanted to like help youth and do that kind of thing. And 
um, I was fortunate enough by even, you know, 20, I was maybe 22, I was doing those things. And so I was already accomplishing these goals that I set for myself as a teenager. And now the real thing is, like, what do I do now? <laughs> now that I've, you know, hit these goals that I wanted to do, uh, this, is, this is what you do in your teenage lives, right? You kind of figure out what you're meant to do with your whole life. And then for some reason, you're already, already doing it. So what do you do now? There's this sense that um, we have this pressure to try and figure out us try and figure out who we are such an early age. And it's so much of that is tied up around uh, your vocation and your job and what you would do after school and what, what's your degree at uni. So much, is, so much pressure is around who will we become? Who is this? And, and what happens if you, know, you reach that goal and you, you have to try and figure out something else? What happens if none of that happens? You, your plans that you set for yourself don't happen and you're, you're totally the not, you're not the person that you thought you would be. There's this sense that we need to figure out us. You figure out you and life will just hum along nicely for you. And so we're going to look at freedom, what this word freedom is kind of this sense and in, in the dictionary is defined as the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants. It's, it's simply just doing, thinking, acting the way that you want. That's what freedom is, the ability to be able to have your own way of thinking, act in the way that you want to do. That's what the world and that's what the dictionary would define freedom as. And the thing is, our culture seeks so much this personal freedom. It sees personal freedom as the solution to the, the, the problems in our world. That's what our culture, it sees freedom, this ability for everyone to be able to do what they want, they see that as the solution. They think if only people were able to just be and do what they want and do it in a respectful way, that's almost the solution to people's problems. And um, uh, in, a, in a great book, uh, called Reappearing Church from Mark Sayers. He, he explores and talks about these three buckets, three buckets of happiness. And um, in, in, particularly in our culture, we think there's a, these three things that are really important to us. There's one, freedom, there's meaning, and there's deep relationships. That these three things would cause happiness to come in our lives. But the thing with us in a society right now is we are drowning in the freedom bucket. There is so, we're overflowing in the freedom bucket. There is so much freedom that you be you, you do what you want to do, but we're thirsting for the meaning. There is so little meaning in these things, that these three buckets, freedom, meaning, relationships, there's, there's so much freedom that, that we have, and I don't need to kind of talk, but we, we kind of get the, the fact that you can just kind of have whatever you want. You be whoever you want to be. That's such a, a key statement for our culture and key way of living that we're actually drowning ourselves, overflowing in freedom, but lack the real purpose and drive and then lack, again, the, that deep relationship because we're, we're tr all trying to do it for ourselves. We're often isolated in our own and, you know, more than just COVID isolated, just isolated in the sense of trying to do life for ourselves in our own little bubble. And so there's a, a serious uh, problem of recognizing that freedom is almost too lavishly emphasized as the important part to our culture. And uh, for me, it, it, it's mostly about how we actually understand what freedom is. 
and how we understand how freedom works and the way that we're called to live in freedom. And so we're going to look at the cultural definition of freedom and then we're later on going to look at the biblical definition of freedom. And so the cultural definition uh, of freedom is, is about self. It's that I'm liberated to be who I want to be. That's what freedom is. That I get to be, there's a liberation for me in the sense that I get to be who I want to be. And that's what, that's me expressing freedom in my life. That the only authority that matters is the authority of self. That there's this deep sense in our culture that as long as you have the, you have the authority to say whatever you want over your life, that's what is important. And so Mark says in, in his book, he says... The individual finds himself in a conformist world from which he must escape and find the fulfilled person within. Through the acquired of knowledge and techniques, the individual can break from the limits that hold him back and become self-actualized. We cannot change the surrounding culture. We can only change ourselves. We can achieve self-mastery while conquering our failings and our sins, all without God. That there's this sense in us that we can just do this and pursue life for ourselves without even bringing God in the picture. And this is, is so big, obviously, in our culture, but it can so easily, it's, it's in the church as well. It's in us, us as Christians that we can go after what we want in our lives, go after our calling, uh, after a career, after a family, all by just figuring it out ourselves, all just by working out what we think is important, what culture has told us is important, and then going, no, that's, what, that's the picture that I want for myself, and so that's what I'm going after. This is the sense that freedom is all about self, all about self, and then that the focus is on independence, the focus is on independence and you find your approval but what you can do. So these are the, these are the, the key aspects that you are focuses on, on your independence, on what you can do, and then your approval, how you actually are seen around the world, is based on what you do. It's based on how well you do in your career. It's based on, on who your partner is. It's based on how you look and an outward appearance. It's, it's so much of, of your approval actually comes from what you can do. And uh, we see some of this happening in the Galatians, in the people here of Galatia, that Paul is addressing these people in, in from verse 2 again. He says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let, any, if you let yourselves be circumcised, which we won't go into, uh, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. These are, these are strong words. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor answer circumcision <coughs> has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's a beautiful passage. And yeah, um, Luke, you can probably just get rid of my mic in here. That's fine. It's kind of just, yeah, it's peeking out. Nice. Uh, yeah, so what we he see here expressed in, in the law that 
what, what it, Paul here is saying is that we have been enslaved by the law, that our freedom has enslaved, uh, our, our freedom has been enslaved. We actually haven't experienced the freedom when we live by our own kind of way of, of seeing ourselves, that we're enslaved by the law. And uh, he, he references the uh, circumcision and uncircumcision, but these are ab- about these law practices, these, these things that tick a box, that if only I did the right thing, if only I, I, I was a good, nice Christian, I was a good person, did what I was meant to, tick these boxes, if I do those things, then I'll be pr- approved. It's just a sense that if, if I follow the rules, then I'll be okay. And so that is actually produces a self-focused freedom. That's based on on your approve. That's based on how, what you can do and how good you can be. And so we see here what happens when we're enslaved uh, by the law. We see number one that you're obligated to fi- fulfill the whole law. That when you actually think that it's your requirement to tick all the boxes and then you'll be okay. Firstly, we see that you're obligated to fulfill the whole law. That there's a big weights on your shoulder. If you think that you're going to get approved by how good you are, then you're going to do, have to do a lot. Essentially, there's a lot that you have to do to make sure you're, you know, you're good enough because we all suffer and then we all make mistakes. And so if we think that we're going to get that approval and freedom by how good we are, then we're missing the point. Freedom isn't about how good we are. It, freedom is about recognizing the power of Christ that changes us and makes us into his image, it makes us into the very people he calls us to be. When we think we can do that by our good works, we've missed the point altogether. The point is to see Jesus. So, so firstly, we need to recognize that you're obligated to fulfill the whole law, that you need to do all the good things to, to be able to be in that box. Secondly, we're, we uh, find ourselves separated from grace and Christ. That uh, Paul references here that we've been alienated from Christ, that we've fallen from grace when we actually choose to think, I can uh, do what is right and experience and get into freedom by my own good works. We actually separate ourselves and go, No, Christ actually isn't going to help me. I can actually figure this out on my own. That what I'm pursuing in life with my career, no, you know, I can probably figure this out. I don't need Christ and grace because I've, I'm, I'm working it out for myself. There's this sense that when we're pursuing our own things and thinking that we can figure it all out without Christ, then this, we've actually alienated him from our lives. It's a, it's a scary place to think about. And then thirdly, we actually miss out on what really matters, and that is faith. What really matters to, to, to Jesus is that we just believe in him when we are enslaved by thinking that it's all up to us to pursue freedom, it's this freedom of self that I can find what is good in myself and, and uh, alienate ourselves from Christ, we miss out on what really matters, and that is faith. That's what really matters. Now, there was a, uh, um, a, a very well-known scientist and apologist, uh, by John Lennox, and um, he was uh, asked, uh, he, he came up with this great example of how faith actually works, how meaning works into the world of science. And um, uh, so often when we think of science, we just think of like the truth, the, the literal facts, the things that actually take place, and we miss the meaning, the purpose behind the scientific 
uh, facts. And he, was, he, he came up with this illustration. He says, why is the water boiling? He, you know, if you ask someone, why is the water boiling? You can, say, uh, you can explain by saying that the boil, it is boiling because the electrical heating elements in the kettle transmitted thermal energy to the water, which caused the water molecules to vibrate and rise in temperature. When the temperature reached 100 degrees Celsius, the water turned to steam and boils. I had to write that down because I was clearly not going to remember that. <laughs> That's what you could say to someone if you're saying, why is the uh, water boiling? Or you could just basically say, it's boiling because I, I want a cup of tea. That, that, that is the purpose of why you would put on a kettle. You don't tell them the scientific reasoning of why the water is actually boiling. You actually can just say, it's boiling because I, I want a cup of tea. And so much of what we've done in our society is just focused in on the, the hard facts and just, just try to see what is the, the, the truth and the facts of the matter, the scientific facts. But we have actually missed the meaning and purpose of it, where we actually dig in and find what's the purpose of me doing this. What is the meaning of me living this kind of life? What's the meaning of me going after this career that we just can chase after things without even realizing what we're doing? Because we think it's culturally relevant and we can chase after having this perfect dream and picture of a self without actually even going, all right, why am I doing this? What's the purpose of this? Why? There's no meaning in me actually chasing these things. It's only because there's this social status that I'm like chasing after. We've lost that sense of meaning behind it. But Paul is calling us to live in this freedom of of uh, not just trying to think of what is right and wrong in our own way of doing things. But freedom is actually just placing that authority, placing it on Jesus. True freedom is actually recognized because when we live in that kind of way, people think they're, they're experiencing freedom, but it's actually burdensome because they're weighed down by the pressures of approval. They're weighed down of what are people thinking of me? How are people responding? Am I good enough? Have I done enough? Am I being enough? There's this, this sense that we're, when we're actually going, I want to live like me, we actually still are looking around us going, I'm not doing enough. And that's where anxiousness, that's where self-image has really been tainted because people are trying to see freedom for themselves and aren't good enough. We're not good enough, people. We're not. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. Let's just recognize that and go, that's why we need Jesus. That's why true freedom comes when we recognize that it's not in self, but it's finding it in Christ. Scott McKnight <coughs> says this. He says, I'm not opposed to becoming psychologically independent of our parents or our addictions or our past so that we become individuated or personally responsible adults. But for many, the process of becoming a free-thinking individual, the process of growing up, or the process of working through one's past with its possible hindrances, is the essence of freedom and the goal of life. This, that's a huge statement right there. Can I just stop? That's a huge statement. That This is some, so much of what our culture is doing. We think the goal is of life is finding what our personal independence and individualistic thing is. That's the goal of life. It continues, it says, it is fundamentally important for every individual to be able to look in a mirror and admit who he or she is and embrace that person. This is knowing ourselves, but self-knowledge is not biblical freedom. 
knowing ourselves is only a step in learning what we can be through Christ and his spirit. That's so beautifully written. That this is what the, the biblical view of freedom is. It's about family. The biblical view of freedom is about family, that we're liberated to be who God wants us to be. We're actually liberated by actually acknowledging we are in God's family and he calls us to be a certain person. He calls us with a certain distinction that our focus isn't on independence, but it's on interdependence, on a trust and reliance upon who God is, that we are already approved by just being the children of God. We already have the approval of our Father. We don't have to work for someone's approval, but in God's freedom. We actually are already approved that we're in the family. And it's so important to see this. It's so important to see it, that our freedom isn't based on how good we think we are and how much we think we've done and how much we've ticked at the box, but our freedom is based on just being, belonging to his family. It's just accepting and being interdependent on who he is. And so family is so key for God. We see it throughout scriptures. So much of what the scriptures talk about is just this family dynamic. The very beginning of uh, the Israelite people is about a family, the family of Abraham, that, that throughout we, we can see the, the, the thread of what family has and the impact of what, how God sees his people as a family. Even as we did last week, talked about we are heirs adopted into the family of God, that this is where we are called, that we feel comfortable at home, that we can just be ourselves, that you can wear your jocks if you want, just, you know, just your jocks, why not? And uh, you can just say whatever you want. You're not thinking about, oh, what is my family like thinking about what I'm wearing right now? You know, you can just kind of be yourself. You can be just relaxed about, you know, not having to look a certain image, but you can just be yourself. And that's what uh, like a home should feel like. It should feel like you, you don't have to be approved by the people around you in your home, but you can just be relaxed and be yourself. And that's what God calls us into. He doesn't want us to feel like we need to look around us looking for approval in who we are and what we've done and the decisions. We, no, we, he just welcomes us in and says, you're a part of the family. That my freedom that I want you to experience is about you recognizing it's not about self. It's about us, that you're approved in this family. You're part of something that is bigger than just your own individual self. And we see this even in the scripture that we talked about here. And from verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. There's that sense that, I mean, even in family, you know, things, you, you can bite at each other. Uh, sibling rivalry is beautiful. Uh, and there's th those things that happen in a family, but it always comes back to that place that you have the approval. And so the, the uh, world's way of seeing freedom is so different than how God calls us into freedom. 
Well, the way the world sees freedom is all about self and how you can find and be yourself. But God calls us into a place of freedom that is about family, that we're actually, the way that we experience freedom is by embracing other people as well. It's about seeing the people around us. It's about seeing how freedom is not about me. It's about others. It's about the people who are in this room. It's about the people who are in this world. My freedom is actually about seeing freedom take place in our world around us. Freedom is not just a concept that is for self, but is for all, and that we can get into the trap of being self-indulgent you know, in just, oh, I want to look good and feel good and be good for myself, but we want to break that because where evil wants to come in and grip us from actually experiencing freedom is by focusing on, like, how am I going to look? What's this going to do for me? What, what does this mean for me? And we need to constantly break through those walls. It happens. And, uh, you know, you may be hearing going, yeah, cool, I understand these concepts, but we need to actually identify this happens in our lives. It happens for me on a weekly basis of recognizing that I'm just focused in on what I want for me. And I'm just focused in on how this looks for me. And we need to constantly see and break through that and go, no, this is not about just how this looks for me. This is about being a family and about how I can actually see that I'm already approved and that how I can bring freedom and life to others. Yes, others, people. Uh-huh. So how, how do we live this, this freedom? It's, it's in a place of recognizing that we are interdependent, that we're not independent, trying to figure out our independence for ourselves and trying to work out, all right, how can I solve the issues that I'm going through? How can I figure out the, that next step in my career? How can I figure out what I'm doing in that next step? It, just figuring it all out, mapping it all out in your head. And, and again, I'm not trying to just say you shouldn't have due diligence and actually think. We should definitely think, okay, people? But at that place of thinking and, and, and contemplating what God is doing in our lives needs to come from a place of being interdependent on God. Those places of our choices and decisions need to come from a place of God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your guidance. God, I can't just work this out, but I need that peace. I'm feeling pretty anxious and, and heavy right now. God, I just need you. It's these moments of continual inter interdependence. It's a daily thing. These so many moments in our lives that we need to keep pulling and wrenching ourselves back into realizing that we are interdependent on Him, not just trying to be independently figuring it out, that we are approved already, that we're not trying to fight for the approval, but we have the approval from our Father that we're called to serve instead of just being served that these are key elements of how freedom is actually going to break out in your lives. If you actually have a disposition of wanting to serve others, freedom can come into your life. You know those moments where you actually do something and you're like, I, f like, I, I don't use, you know, when you actually stop and, and ask someone, can I help or, uh, you know, yeah. When you see someone who is in need and actually go out of your way, there's plenty of times that we don't do it and we go, oh, I wish. I actually spent some time or I wish I actually just paid attention to that homeless person or I wish I, you know, actually recognized when that person was, was telling me about how hard it's been for them at the moment. I wish I actually did something and had a, had a conversation. There's these, all these moments that we think, I wish. And when we actually do those things and when we go, we actually step out at those, those rare occasions that we do, 
how, how good does that feel when we're actually helping others? We're actually maybe uh, offer to buy something for someone who's homeless or, or actually say that those encouraging words where you feel like people are doing it tough. Or, we, you know, there's so many th- the areas that we can actually express those goodness and grace and that we serve others and actually brings freedom to our lives when we serve one another. It's good. And so we go on this journey of letting freedom take place in our lives, of letting the power of His Spirit truly transform our hearts. And so I'm just going to read this long excerpt of, of, um, of a quote from, from a book uh, called The Renovation of the Heart from Dallas Willard. And yes, yeah, so much of what I believe for us, I, I believe we are called to live free in, in the freedom of Christ. And I believe that comes, that takes place when we actually let God renovate our hearts and actually let God transform our hearts. And there's, there's so much about what our hearts do. And, and I feel like I talk about the heart a lot, but I, I, th- I think it's so important for us to recognize that we, we don't let that happen often and we need to. So here's a, here's a beautiful excerpt of, of um, this book. It says, The renovation of the heart in Christ-likeness, that is, in humanity as God always intended it, is not something that concerns the heart, spirit, will alone. The heart cannot be renovated if the other aspects of the person remain in the grip of evil, that is, willpower, even inspired willpower is not the key to personal transformation. We can't just will our way to transformation. Rather, the will and character only progress in effectual well-being and well-doing as all other essential aspects of the person come into line with the intent of a will brought to newness of life from above by the word and the spirit. You guys with me? (laughs) The path of renovation of the heart is therefore one in which the revitalized will takes grace-provided measures to change the content of the thought life, our thinking, change the dominant feeling tones, our our emotions, change what what the body is ready to do, the prevailing social atmosphere and the deep currents of the soul, that all aspects of our life need to be addressed by what God is doing. These are all to be progressively transformed toward the character they each have in Jesus Christ. That is we that that is what we call putting on the character of Christ, or in Paul's language, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And as it transpires, the individual or group more and more effectively acts for the good things they intend. And the will itself ever more broadens and deepens its devotion to good and the God of the good. Essentially, that is kind of a fancy way of saying that all of us needs to be recognizing the power of Christ. All of us, every part. And we just, there, there are certain areas that we just limit and stop and don't let God into. It's too, it's too hard or too scary or I don't even know what those areas are in my life. I, I don't spend time enough to actually let God speak to me. 
There's so much of us that we actually are limiting God from actually coming in and truly renovating all of us. And it's when we actually let him renovate all of us that we become the very people he calls us to be, the good that he calls for us to walk in and live in comes from that place of truly being renovated by him. And in our culture around, around us, we want the progress. We want to feel like we're doing something. We're, we're progressing to something without the presence of God. We want to progress without the presence of God. We want to feel like we're accomplishing things, but you know, doing the God stuff, just is, that's too much work. That's too much time. I don't have time to spend hours in God's presence. I don't have time to figure out what the Word of God is saying. Can I just figure that? Can I just go for my thing? Can I just progress towards what I want? This is what our culture has happened in our church that we want progress without His presence. But we need to keep fighting. We need to keep working to believe and to surrender our will to His presence. We're called to surrender to His presence, surrender our lives. That this place of freedom that he wants us to walk in comes in a place of recognizing we need to surrender to his presence. We're called to surrender to his presence because I believe that there is true freedom for all of us. Freedom that isn't based on self, but freedom that is based on approval from a family perspective. There is freedom for all of us. Freedom in our thought life, freedom from those anxious thoughts, freedom from uh, feeling like you need to have that approval, freedom from all areas of who we are, that God wants to release that, that burden in our lives to actually bring freedom in us. But will we surrender? Or will we hold on for ourselves and go, no, 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 I, I, I can just figure it out. I've got this. Because that's what is happening all around us. And that's what will happen to us if we don't take this seriously. When I actually go, God, I need to surrender to you. And so let's not let the, the grips of evil take control of our thoughts, our actions any longer of what happens to our body, what happens in our social settings. Let's not let the grips of evil take control of those things any longer. But let's actually experience freedom. Let's actually do this. Come on. This is exciting. Let's actually do this and actually expose those areas of our lives by surrendering, which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> which is a nice, you know, it's a nice concept. Great, Joel. Yeah, let's surrender. I surrender. You know, we can sing it, get on our knees, but it actually means a daily walking out of going, God, I need you to move in my life. It's actually a, a daily conversation of God. Where it, what is it in me that I keep holding on to? When, when's the last time you actually asked God that? What, what am I keeping from you? What have I kept to myself, the very control of what is just comfortable for me? When are we actually released and going, God, what, is those, what are those things in me that I keep holding on to that I know I need to let you take control of? It's about that daily conversation of surrender, of walking out, not wanting to live in a progress without his presence, but living surrendered to his presence and so uh, if the band want to come up I want us tonight 
to make a statement of faith, to make a declaration, a, a statement of faith of going, God, I want to surrender all of me. I want to ex- truly experience freedom in every area of my life. I truly want to experience the freedom that isn't based on what I think is important, on, on achieving what I think is necessary, but I want to experience f- freedom from your perspective on what you want to say, what you want to do in my life around who I become, around who I, I am, what I do, what I think. All areas, there is freedom for us that if you're feeling weighed down, and gripped by the things of life. There is freedom for us. If you're feeling like there is pressure to perform and live at a certain standard, there is freedom for us. If you're thinking that this is all up to you, being a certain person, there is freedom for us. There isn't. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So let's walk in that freedom. Let's walk in it. Let's stop the charade, let's stop the performance, let's take off the mask, and let's just do it. Let's just go there. Let's open up our hearts and go, God, I don't want to live in this way anymore. And I'm preaching this because I want to live this way myself. I keep working at this. I keep trying to open my my life to let God take the reins of of what I do and how I keep control. And just there's no, I don't want to have that anymore. I don't want to have this control anymore, but I want to release that power and trust in His presence. God, you have it. You have me. And we trust you. We trust you. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we trust you. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Come and move in our hearts. Come and unlock something in us that we may not just hold on to what we think we know, what we think is necessary. But God, come and move in us to break off those shackles that enslave us, to think that we're not good enough, to think that we're not approved, to think that we have to be weighed down and feel the anxiousness of life, those things that grip at our lives. God, we come against that and declare freedom in the name of Jesus, freedom in the way that we think, freedom in the way that we live. God, we want to experience the the fullness of who you are. Come and change us, Lord. Come and shake us. Come and move in our hearts, Lord. Come and move in our hearts. Jesus, come move in our hearts.